Hey everybody, thanks for uh, joining. Uh, it's been a few weeks since uh, I had a I had an episode come out. I had to kind of take a uh, a break from the pandemic and podcasting and and life in general. Um, I've I've gone through a bit of a interesting career transition, so that that. Um, prompted a delay in, in releasing episodes. So uh, please stay tuned. We're in our last lag, leg of 10, excuse me. Um, so I'm gonna cap this series at 50 and then start back up in the fall when, after the semester starts. Um, so joining us for uh, this first of 10 is uh, my new newly acquainted friend via Twitter, Amelia Tran. Uh, she is a social media marketer and networking lead, born, raised, and still living in New York City. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Newly acquainted, um, because actually, before I think we became friends on, on Twitter, we actually saw each other's faces first because of a Social Fresh conference. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and where you were a speaker and I was emceeing. Leave it to the extroverts of the group to find each other first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anytime something like that comes up, I'm I'm there just to and and I did the 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 kind of random networking piece to that. That was a lot of fun. I didn't get to do as much of it as I wanted to, but I don't know about you, but I found that networking. I'm thriving with respect to that, despite self isolation. I'm meeting new people every day. Yeah. And I feel like that's just because, um, I mean, if we hadn't embraced technology before this pandemic, we definitely are, because how else are you going to meet people? So um, I do think that when it comes to conferencing, most of the value that people do get is, of course, by listening to very informative and great speakers such as you, but also the other piece to it is, how can I really connect with people that I normally don't have access to within my local communities, right? And I feel like we're just taking that same template of where we would normally be meeting in Florida, sunny old Florida for this <laughs> right. conference, but instead um, making it still very valuable and very impactful for the people. So as you just said, like bouncing from one quote unquote networking room to another really does help with that aspect because funny enough is like, yeah, we would normally on a normal basis, we probably meet on Twitter first, like in ran any random occasion, but it just so happens that sometimes, you know, we do see each other's faces first before we get to actually figure out who, ch who each other's is because of these conferences right. and what they force us to do in, a, in the best way, of course. Um, but yeah, I guess that kind of goes into a little bit about what I do. So you want me to kick off that portion? Yeah. So tell us, tell us everything. What's your title? What do you do? What's your type of work, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So officially my day job is I'm an associate director of paid social advertising at Mediacom. Mediacom is part of Group M um, and Mediacom is a, is a global agency. And I'm also a adjunct professor at Baruch College which is my alma mater. I actually um, used to teach at Baruch from 2016, 2017, uh, sp focused specifically on social media marketing and analytics, but I had stopped to really um, focus on my own career growth. Uh, but you know, with everything that's been happening, it made me think a lot more about my own personal passions and really what, I'm, what I came here to do, which is learn and educate um, beyond my day job. So, when there was an opportunity this year to teach again, um, no doubt about it, I raised my hand, I was like, yeah, sign me up. And there I was teaching a class with 
very little material to begin with. So I had to kind of build it out class by class. I, I think you as an educator kind of knows that, that feeling all too well. And now I'm teaching interactive marketing. And I really love it because it also forces me to really stay in shape and keep up to date with um, right. overall digital marketing and the know-hows and go beyond um, social media marketing, which is my usual bread and butter. I think for me, that makes me feel like I'm able to grow as a professional too, keep up with the times and also um, forces me to also like teach the people that I work with also like the things that I am learning in class and also able to teach in class. Uh, and then lastly, to wrap that part up um, on that topic of networking that we were just bantering about, but uh, I'm also a networking lead, as RJ mentioned. Um, I manage a networking group called Mosaic. Um, it's New York based, but everything we do and have been doing the last few years have been all virtual. So it's basically a virtual group for digital marketers, entrepreneurs all across the U.S. to share resources with one another. And if the occasion arises, one day we will have the hour again, um, <laughs> you know, within a New York bar as we normally would. But for now, we keep the conversations to just virtual chats and conferences, things that can really be of good use for our community. Would you mind if a random Pittsburgher just kind of stumbled into your networking group? <laughs> no, I'm stumbled. Yeah, no, I, we welcome all. So it doesn't matter if you're a Pittsburgher or, or a Cali person or whatever. We have members that were originally from New York, but have moved on to different places. I've got introduced to other people that were never in New York or in, are only in Ohio. And I'm like, yeah, bring them on. Because for me, it's all about, you know, sharing value and providing value to the group. So yeah. <laughs> let me know that person's email and I'll add them to the group. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I've got a few, uh, <laughs> you know, getting to that point where you mentioned, you know, how the teaching that you're doing informs your, your practice-based work and vice versa. I've always appreciated that relationship and have looked for that in the, the professors that I've had through different types of colleges and, and whatnot. And I've always found that the, those particular teachers that had, that willingly opted into that practice-based experience always enriched the, the, the classroom in deeply meaningful and immersive ways. Um, you know, I still remember the conversations that I would have about with my design professor about, you know, just practice and working in agencies and how to get into those agencies. And then actually, when I became a design professor, I was able to reciprocate that uh, to my students, but it's not something that I got a lot of. So I'm glad that you're able to provide that to, to your students. Yeah, because in a way, as you prepare lesson plans, it, I always like to say, like, I don't know everything and I want to live with that mentality because you don't know everything. And that's the truth of it. There's always information to learn every day. So even if you are quoted as an expert in a certain field or industry or topic, doesn't matter. There's always going to be more information out there that you could learn as small as it is. And that's what I'm finding as I deal with my day-to-day -day job, my personal experiences with different brands and industries that I touch on at the same times while I'm building out my lesson plans and I kind of have to like go back and Google something, right? You know, it, it all makes sense now. It makes better sense. Um, and I want to I do that so that I'm the best, not just the best adjunct professor, 
but also the best employee at my own companies and in any conversations that I have. Well, you know, on that note, your teaching background is also optimized for like client interactions and, mm -hmm. and teaching staff on how to do other things. So to give you some context, like right now, I'm about to jump into a, a new web page design, a mm -hmm. website design for the Graduate School of Business at Pitt. And that's going to have hundreds of pages. And I have to work wow. across a staff of like 100 people to get that done. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I just finished a 200 page website for 14 libraries, right? And so I've got that practical experience to, to do that. But also, I'm going to have to teach a lot of these people on not just how to update this website, but how I'm building it and the process that goes behind that. And uh, I found that that helps tremendously. And that's not something that you can necessarily teach your students is, you know, how to teach their clients. You can emphasize yeah. that it's important, but it all comes down to teaching style and practice. No, I feel like I have to applaud you after just hearing that you ripped through a 200 page thing and over 14 libraries. I'm just like, it's kudos to you, man. It's a lot. But I also feel like um, on this topic of just career progression, and just getting started and things like that, I always like to say, no matter how senior someone gets, it's always good to actually like go back in the systems, go back in the platforms and just mm -hmm. toggle around and play around with it. Because even if you're not the one scoped to actually like build out campaigns, build out web pages, things like that, but you're the one giving direction now, right? Yeah. You know, you do need to understand from your team's view like what is it that they actually have to do um how long does something actually actually does does it actually take in order for you to then create realistic timelines you know that's a that's the one feedback that i get from a few people that i know in my personal life that aren't happy with their jobs is that their timelines and things just aren't realistic because their bosses don't understand how it, what it really takes and how long it really takes to create right. something so I would have to say, as part of just this discussion on leadership and, you know, you managing a wide network of people, I think it's so good to just make sure that you remind yourself that, you know, go back in there. I don't, even if it's, if it's every few months, just brush up on your skills because that will only help when you have to direct a, direct a task or a project. And, and I say something. So I basically, so for my graphic design students, I do basically tell them exactly what you said. So there's this perception mm -hmm. in the design sector where, okay, you know, you graduate, you get your feet well, feet wet as a, as a production designer. You're not doing any, especially if you're working at an agency, you're not doing a whole lot of creative work. Uh, you're just doing the production work, the, the, the nuts and bolts that need done. And then eventually you migrate into creative roles. And this all depends on the size of the agency, of course. But yeah. I, tell, I tell my students now, like, I actually love doing production work. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a time where I hated it and it wasn't <laughs> worth my time. But now, like, I'm in a position where I can pay others to do that. Or I have people that work under me that do that. I don't mind taking some of that responsibility off of them and giving them something creative to do to you know show that reverse value but production work can just be really mind-numbing and it's processed and repetitive and pattern so it's just like oh, i'm just going to chill out today and just do production work and you don't have to constantly strain your 
or synapses on producing (laughs) creative work constantly. And um, so I've been, I've been sort of fighting that battle for years and um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's starting to kick over and you know, for, for what it's worth on that library project. So not only did I have to build a, a, like a 200 page website that represented 14 libraries, I had to design new brand marks for every single one. And I had to get those brand marks approved by every single library's board of directors. Wow. <laughs> so many layers. I, it's just like, see, un, unless you're the one, again, on that topic of being within the platforms and doing the production work, mm-hmm. you don't really know that it takes a village to get something done. Yeah. Right. And the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, we, I got this contract. I, I got this contract basically last November, and wow. we're just now getting to the point where we're in a beta stage for the website, and all the brands have been approved. So hopefully by the end of the month we'll launch this thing. But enough about me. Uh, I want to. <laughs> I want to understand um, your 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 point of entry here. What was that aha moment? That you know that snap that you had that made you realize like I need to do this thing that I'm doing now? Yeah, so I think I alluded to this before, but, you know, in my college days, like, it was really hard, um, you know, finding professors, finding inspiration, of getting that real world experience and value aside from, like, just textbooks, learnings, and exams, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I know this is probably going to sound really shitty, but I wasn't really, like, a school person, Funny enough that I am an educator. Um, just because Sometimes I felt like the best teachers aren't school people. I, I just wasn't taught in the way that I was really receptive to, right? right? But I still made sure I showed up to class, you know, passed my exams. Like I wasn't that bad. <laughs> but when it came to like actually, you know, figuring out the value of really what the coursework meant to me, it took me a while to figure out that aha moment. So Long story short is I was formerly studying finance. A lot of people do not know that about me. Like I guarantee, like probably only like five people in this world out of like 20. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it wasn't until like my junior year that I landed a full-time internship in the summer. And I was actually, you know, suited up. Um, You know, it, it was more of like that professional environment. I was training to be a financial consultant. I really appreciated everything that my former managers had done because not only did I learn, um, you know, practical skills to be a financial consultant at, you know, you would think, oh yeah, it's just a summer, but no, I was there every day, Monday through Friday, as if I was already a full-time employee. They were going to offer me a, you know, full-time gig, like right after graduation. Uh, We all know how the story ends because clearly I'm not there, but um, (laughs) I learned a lot of skills related to HR, sales, you know, business development skills that I really don't take for granted easily because it's like whatever I learned at an internship, even though it was in the industry that I end up in, I still utilize those skills day in and day out. So it was after that internship um, that I realized that, you know what, this is not the major and the industry for me, but I do want to take those skills and apply it elsewhere, right? Because that's really what an internship is, for you to really try it out and test out the waters. Absolutely. Um, so I always like to say no path is ever straight, because mine was definitely like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> like, throughout, throughout, like, you know, 
my senior year. But yeah, as a latecomer, I switched majors, started my senior year with a focus in entrepreneurship um, mm-hmm. instead. It was a fairly new major at Baruch at that time. Um, and one thing that also really led me to make that decision was I was connected to a speaker that came to my company at that time. Um, and I felt like she did light a fire in me because I told her a little bit more about my passions. Um, and she was just like, you know what? I run a networking group for women entrepreneurs and women digital marketers. I think if you really want to like enhance your social media skills, why don't you start doing community management, right? And by being inside the platforms and like acting as the brand, like way back in the day, right. it was able, I was able to learn, um, you know, how to like improve my communication skills, how to pretend to be someone I'm not because I'm speaking on behalf of a brand. That's always really fun, right? Yeah. And more importantly, <laughs> I learned how to like manage my own content, calendaring, mm-hmm. like, you know, working according to their marketing schedule. So fast forward, um, that was pretty much like my senior year. I don't regret it at all. I still graduate on time, um, which is great. I just took, you know, extra classes to like pick back up the work. Um, I do know that if I did pursue, continue pursuing that job in finance, it would have been a huge regret for me. Um, So I'm really glad that, you know, I made that decision ultimately. But I do have to say the reason why I mean, I know this is a podcast and you might not see my hand waving around right now. The reason why I say it's not a straight path is because when I made that decision, it was almost like I was starting from scratch because I made those connections in finance, right? I'd already had that offer lined up for me. All that was pretty much wiped away because I focused my time in that one area instead of building my persona in marketing rather, right? So I went on LinkedIn. Um... I, you know, started connecting with more people within the own networking group that I was doing community management for, and I was able to talk to some people, and they were able to help me out, get me introductions to agencies, um, not for just interviews, but just like more informational ones, like, hey, what's the date in life of, you know, your role? I found that to be really, really helpful because that only helped me uh, basically figure out a way of how I can really commit to this decision. At that time, I was just like antsy. I was like, did I really make the right call? But you know, after talking to everyone, it was almost like, yeah, I made the right call because I do want to be that person. Um, So I do have to say it really wasn't easy, but that's really where I got my aha moment and really what ended up happening afterwards. And it was great because it landed me um, my first few consulting gigs, you know, really got my feet wet. I was able to build a portfolio from there to get to where I am today. Fast forward, right? <laughs> well, I, I love your, I love your career journey. Um, and I, I am especially appreciative of the fact that, you know, it had, it had twists and turns in it. Um, <laughs> I think that builds character. It builds breadth, um, and, and understanding, you know, my, my, I'm a sort of a contrast to you mm-hmm. in that my career trajectory, I have three design degrees and <laughs> my, so my educational career was extremely linear from associate to bachelor's to master's all in graphic design. Wow. And then, you know, eight, 
I started in agencies and then I became an entrepreneur and then I became a professor. And so it's like, I've, I've had two sort of linear tracks the whole time. And it wasn't until recently that I deviated from that. So one of the, the sort of healing components of this podcast is that like, I'm trying to find myself through the conversations and experiences of folks like you. Um, so in that I have a lot in common with my, my students. Um, yeah. So this is the first time in like 10 years that I haven't been a teacher. Um, I'm still running my own side business, but now mm -hmm. I run marketing for the business colleges at Pitt. And um, it's just on staff side, it's just kind of a new, interesting, fun kind of world. Um, so nevertheless, um, mm -hmm. I love your story and I'm glad that it's yielded success for you and, and you know, put you in the place that you're at. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, the reason why I say, you know, with the wavy hands is because I really want to just clarify that it's, it's really not easy. Um, I wish I could show you like my calendar back in the day, not to age myself, but all like the meetings that I had to like coordinate, but also in, on top of that, just like, me reminding people that like hey you know it's just like a reminder like we're gonna meet for coffee during this time right. or even just trying to get to that meeting in the first place on the books do you know how freaking hard that is for someone that doesn't know you at all it's like basically it's extremely calling. difficult <laughs> oh tell me about it i mean yeah like you know people like me and you like we can just randomly dm each other and be like all right cool let's talk but not everyone's like that right so right. it's almost like why does someone else you know go out of their way and make time for me even if it's 15 minutes and i'll buy them coffee mm -hmm. that same mentality and that same tactic that i use to get someone's attention i still use to this day it works but it does mm -hmm. require a lot of persistence like um my current mentor well forever mentor slash big brother slash former boss he's everything to me really um it took me 13 emails to get to him at least yeah he's a hard guy to reach let's just say but now we have a beautiful decade-long relationship he was also part of my wedding so it's like mm -hmm. you know if i didn't if i just gave up say that second email when he wasn't responding i wouldn't have this relationship in my life Right. So not to say you got to go out there and, and, you know, try to get people to your wedding, like in that <laughs> way, but you know, it, it's also, you never know who you're going to meeting that could be your lifelong friend. Yeah. Uh, I, I relate to that completely. Um, it's, it's interesting how relationships form and, and how they can evolve. Um, and, you know, especially like on that personal level, like when someone like that is in your wedding. I had a, I had a student of mine and he was a groomsman in my wedding, former student of mine. Wait, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. it, he was the type of person that, you know, was incredibly, he is the type of person that's incredibly ambitious and, mm -hmm. you know, he understood what I was trying to do. And, you know, when I was running my first company, I took him on mm -hmm. as an intern and, you know, he got to see how I ran my business and eventually got to, you know, meet my girlfriend at the time and things mm -hmm. like that. It just kind of happened naturally. So, That's yeah. Amazing. And, you know, on that note, one of my most recent former students uh, <laughs> moved to the same community I live specifically because I was talking about it all the time. So <laughs> you could have a lot of great influence. There. What an influencer. <laughs> What's that? 
when an influencer. Oh yeah, also yeah. Getting people to move move where you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know it's uh, good for me because now uh, he and his girlfriend can watch my my daughter. <laughs> they can babysit for me. Uh, <laughs> so I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to know how the pandemic is affecting your work and your day-to-day and maybe even just how it's affecting you personally. Yeah, so um, I guess like I'm going to talk more broadly because, you know, my life, I really, you know, no matter what I do, whether it's pro bono work or like my volunteer work or like my actual paying job, I kind of treat it all one and the same. I always try to like put as much energy into everything I do as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like broadly, it really hasn't affected my own productivity as much probably because I am in a field and an industry where I can do my work as long as I have internet. Now, if I don't have internet, then yeah, it's going to really affect my work <laughs> you know, with, with the pandemic and all. But, um, and, the, and the other topic is like, it really hasn't affected how efficient I am with my time. In fact, because I don't have to commute to work because I am a New Yorker, um, it actually does allow me more time to have more meaningful conversations like this so in 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 reverse like i am happy that i get to have this time and i'm trying to cherish it as much as possible Mm -hmm. um so some more key examples is i'm now replacing some work that i was previously doing um like i'm able to also like help my company focus on like certain projects that maybe i might not have had time for like before uh covid right right Um, you know, and when it comes to having one-on-one relationships with my direct reports, you know, I'm able to invest more time and just saying like, hey, you want to give me a quick call? Like back then, like, yeah, you could just walk around each other's desk, which is fine, but sometimes it'd be a little disruptive too, you know, because you never know if someone's in their zone, right? But now at least I can focus on just committing and forcing myself to like message someone first before talking to them without having the convenience of everyone next to each other. So I think that really does help um, a lot, but I do have, I do miss having a team together in one big office. Um, You know, like there's obviously some cons there, like brainstorming is just definitely so much easier when you're whiteboarding together. But my workaround now is like, I share my screen. I I create an actual like whiteboard, like on Excel, or Word doc, like whatever it is that's easy to write notes in, and I'll still like capture notes. It's just obviously having that human component and being able to see the reaction if some people aren't showing their faces on camera, right? That's the part I also miss. Um, just because every every team meeting doesn't mean necessarily everyone's going to be cameras on. Like the expectation is, yeah, you should, so that we can sort of still try to have that humanized connection but sometimes people just don't feel like it you know so it's it's okay um but yeah now i I do block out more time to focus on me and being better to myself and if i do need to work a little later it's fine i'm at the comfort of my own home but i do look forward to the day we can go back and see each other um just given those other reasons Mm-hmm. but gotta play it safe play it slowly right now as long as i know i'm still productive and my team is i have no problem with us like working from home a bit longer because safety first you know of course yeah, yeah. that's the first and foremost thing 
You know, as, a, as an extrovert similar to you, I get a lot of energy from other people, uh, especially in those brainstorming sessions or leading a, a classroom. And, you know, um, I've also had a considerable amount of work from home experience. So I'm still, I'm still able to sort of get what I need relative to, you know, working with people and collaborating, getting the energy that that I get from them to make my work better. Um, but it is definitely a challenge at times, especially, I mean, I have a front yard, I'm presuming you don't. So like that might be a bit more isolating for you. Um, so I'm glad to hear you're taking the the steps to, to self care as, as necessary. Yeah. And similar to you, I've spent a lion's share of my career being able to work from home. It honestly wasn't until I joined the big agency world, you would say, the last couple of years that I really committed to being in the office because that's just the nature of the work and what everyone else was doing. So, you know, if I committed to this job and this position and I am in a position of leadership where I do have a team that um, I do need to be around for, then yeah, you bet I'm going to show my face up um, in the office and just we're kind of work from home occasionally. But for some people, when this all started, I can just say that it was more of a dramatic change for them because they haven't been used to working from home. So it's almost like, you know, I'm glad I kind of established my base. Like I've always had a home office set up, but I would say for the first few weeks, I could tell some people were a little bit uncomfortable and I was just trying to do what we can to make things as normal for them as possible because nothing about this is normal. It might be fine for you and I, but what about the rest of the world that, you know, we do need to communicate with. Um, so it's just keeping an eye on being more aware of our surroundings and people's surroundings without being physically there. I think that's been a new fun challenge for me personally. Yeah. Um, you know, I have the, so my wife is very introverted and then my daughter, Amelia is just like me, very extroverted. And, you know, I don't mind being at home and self-isolating for as extroverted as I am. That doesn't bother me. But so I've been able to sort of look at this pandemic through the lens of my daughter. Um, and, you know, it's, she needs like that, that personal touch that personal connectivity with other people in a community and it's been it's been difficult for us at times because we've had and she doesn't understand what's happening other than people are getting sick yeah and so by virtue of observing her and learning just exactly how she's either thriving or not um that's shaped how i'm trying to do my work and and interact with others and especially teach a class and it's, it's permeated everything. Um, nevertheless, I, I digress on that. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, uh, we're kind of getting towards our, the end of our time together and selfishly, I did have a question for you um, based on a personal experience of mine. So I've been teaching graphic design, entrepreneurship and design marketing for mm -hmm. over a decade. But this past spring semester, I got to teach a full-on marketing course in a business <laughs> college, not in an art college, right? Wow. So, um, and I had a wonderful experience with it, and the students were very uh, enthusiastic towards me, and, you know, they, they felt like I brought a breath of fresh air in, into the curriculum, and that was great. It felt wonderful. I'm just, you know, a cursed COVID-19 shutting things <laughs> down. But nevertheless, um, 
I wanted to ask you, since you have the teaching experience, what's one thing that you would like to teach that is a, either a bit outside of your, uh, your discipline, or maybe it's something within your discipline that is not being taught? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd actually like to say the class that I'm teaching now, Interactive Marketing, does push the boundaries. Okay. Because this course isn't just about social, right? It's it's literally, as it says, it's interactive marketing. I do feel that it's it's an introduction, the way I've crafted the class, to things like email marketing, Amazon marketing. So that's a new one, right? New hot topic. Search marketing and the value of really trying to figure out how all those mediums and vehicles work together as a marketing channel to support any brand, any business that you will encounter in life. And I think for the students, right, it's, it's about a slow start, like understanding the concept of really what interactive marketing is, the types of content that is consumer facing, right, and really interactive, gifts, um, really fun imagery, really specialized ad units from Facebook. That's just all like front facing, but it's all about the strategy, the back end work and how it all ties together. Uh, so yeah, I really started off with like objectives and KPIs because I always like to say without a goal, like you have nothing really work towards of, towards to. Um, yeah. So I basically crafted the class with the aspect of them pretending like they're a digital marketing team and the fact that they kind of need to build like a brand from scratch in a way or a new product line. And yeah. they need to, their goal is to learn as much as they can in 10 weeks so that they can create a, you know, master media plan. And it's crafted with that in mind so that when they are put in that position, regardless of whether they are in agency, brand, or platform side, they know all the medias, they know how it all works together, they know one part may not be able to function as well without another, um, and more importantly, how to really make the best decisions for themselves and their brands um, if they happen to be, you know, their own business owners, right? Because not everything, you don't have to do everything you do you, you need to place your focus but which ones do you feel like it's going to be most valuable for you um so i think in short that's kind of what i feel is like a good a good refreshed course or class that i'd like to see even more of um i admittedly i didn't look to see what the former professor before me had done for this course i was given a template of a syllabus and that was it I, I was just like, you know what, knowing me, I, I, it didn't, didn't matter that I didn't see what the previous person did. I was going to make it my own anyways. Exactly. And I'm still going to make it my own. And being that yeah. this was my first time teaching this new course, um, I now have the feedback. I now know how long it takes to go through each lesson, which parts I can cut or, or keep or add on more so that I can do even a better job the next course and get them even more excited. So yeah, that's, that's just the gist of it. <laughs> Would you ever leave practice to go into teaching full time? Oh, good question. Maybe when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I, I do say that I, I like having my, it does give me the, the most valuable resources that helps propel teaching. So I, I do think that both feeds into each other. So I wouldn't, necessarily in the near future stop 
my day job just to teach. But again, like I said, that could be something I can visit down, down, down the road, like maybe 20 years from now. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll record this again in 20 years. Oh, okay. We'll follow up in 20 years. <laughs> the date on my calendar. Cause I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Um, okay, so last question, and uh, this is really central to the to the concept of the podcast. You know, a lot of students, they students now or recent graduates are feeling that the pandemic, that COVID nineteen, has stunted or killed their careers. Mm -hmm. um, it's devastated the economy. Um, it's forcing corporations, small businesses, large businesses, whatever nonprofits even to completely restructure their staffing frameworks. And right. a lot of students are, you know, they, they graduate and they've got all of that ambition and energy and they're ready to go and they've just hit a wall. It's like a, a colossal false start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to get your advice. I mean, you've already given us such incredible advice already, but um, maybe there's some additional points that you could offer uh, to students or recent grads on how to take advantage of the time that they have now because of the pandemic and what they can do with that time to push their careers forward. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know we talked a lot, but if I were to like wrap up this entire session, Bullet points. to remind you, um, <laughs> I switched majors without knowing anything or anyone in the field that I was going into, which was, you know, digital marketing. But now that we've gotten past that part, I can only reiterate the word persistence um, that I've brought up a couple of times in this podcast. Keep pushing yourself, keep reading, brush up on your skills and get certificates. So for instance, if you know, like say you wanna go into advertising, look into getting um, the Facebook blueprint certificate, right? Like really look at those types of things because people do really care. Um, Look at the people that are more senior than you over LinkedIn. What are their creds? Are they getting those types of certificates? You kind of want to mimic that in a way, but also do yourself one better by doing it in a, also like a short condensed matter of time. Because if you're not working on something, right, then that means that time could be spent in educating yourselves and getting those exams. So when you do go out there and interview, it makes for a much better story. Uh, and more importantly, like what we discussed earlier on, like never stop networking, produce your own content, your own thought leadership pieces, because you don't have to have been in the industry for like 10 plus years to actually create, um, you know, your own POVs on certain things, right? Read something and formulate your own thoughts about it. And I think to me that proactivity uh, definitely seeps through as long as you're willing to publish those items. Because if I were a recruiter and I was looking at someone's LinkedIn, I really see that they've got a well-polished one, they've got their certs up, and they are commenting on stuff and posting things or linking out to things. I'd say that's a winner in my book. So yeah, hope, hope that's the answer you're looking for. Yeah. That's wonderful advice. And, and I, a lot of those things, I, I say the same. You know, uh, the certificate programs, I don't know about you, Amelia, but like there are so many awesome cert programs out there, um, but I, I just want to do them all. And like I signed up for a bunch of them that were free. So yeah, yeah. Flight School, Facebook, Hootsuite, um, Adobe, UX Writing Hub, all of oh these. Oh my God, that's amazing. And, yeah. and, 
And uh, there was one, uh, you'll appreciate this. So uh, a social media marketer uh, in higher ed, she works for a tech school in Southern Georgia. Um, mm -hmm. They put out this like 10 module certificate program on like basic business, uh, you know, mm -hmm. practices. Like if you're at a corporate dinner, here's how you do this. And here's email etiquette and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's uh -huh. only meant it's only meant for people that live in Georgia, but I was able to sign up <laughs> and I've done six of the modules. And uh, I, she told me that if I complete all of them, that they'll use me as a, as a, as a test case <laughs> for how to get other people to do it. So I'm like, all right, I'll tell you what, Carrie, if you write an article about me, I'll do all of these things. Uh, and I'm almost through with them. And I got to tell you, like, um, while the certificate programs where you're learning new things uh, is really important, I've actually got a lot of good knowledge out of like just refresher things. And there's still certification, like they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll get a name with a diploma situation, right? Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, now that I'm kind of in more of a management situation, like I have to be aware of, you know, working with others, leading others, emotional intelligence, uh, all of that stuff. And it's been, particularly useful. Yeah, so. I agree with you. I think for me, I've done a mix of that. Um, lucky enough provided by work and some of my own, but you know, I, like you, I've set forth to really try to brush up on my skills, like, you know, the valuable thing that I just said, um, because I also want to make sure that I'm marketable, that I'm still desirable too, in the case that there are people that might want to reach out to me for gigs or just advice. Like I want to make sure that they're the, like, they know that they can come to me for help, right? That's the important thing. And I, back then I used to think like, oh, those certificates don't really matter as much. Like practical experience matters more. I still think that way, honestly, but I think if you have those skills already, just invest a few more hours in brushing up on that material and just getting that certificate. You know, it's only a testament to what you've learned already. So similar to like all the certs that you said, like right now my next big thing is I've already got the Facebook blueprint. I'm getting, um, I'm going to get the Snapchat certificate soon. And uh, I've gotten the flight school also from Twitter, but I'm the next big thing I really want to focus on is Amazon because um, e-commerce is rapidly growing. It's only going to continue to grow also as a way of really what this pandemic is doing in the world of e-commerce and business in general. So I feel like having those skills in a different function that's not necessarily social media marketing is also going to equip myself and other people that I am able to bestow knowledge upon and how they can really uh, market themselves better in a way. Well, I'm going to come to you for some of that Amazon uh, knowledge because uh, I'm at a point where I design t-shirts on the side and I'm going to start selling some on Amazon, I think. so. Oh, you are. Wow. You, you literally do everything. What, like, what do you not do, you know? <laughs> uh, I feel like that could be another podcast unto itself. All right. In 20 years, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. In 20 years. Uh, well, thanks, Amelia. This was wonderful. Uh, I, I had a, such a great time learning more about you. And if students are or recent grads are interested in learning more about you and, and your work, how can they get a hold of you? So um, go on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Amelia Tran. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at, at Amelia Tran as well. My handles are pretty much the same across the interwebs. Makes it pretty easy for you guys to find me. 
Um, but yeah, I look forward if there are any DMs that come my way. Happy to help. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, we'll do this again soon. Yep. Take care. Take care.